You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The machoket between Achav and Eliyahu, Be'inyan haklalot shebetorah, the curses that are found in the Torah. So I, I want to I tell you that before... Um, before this class, I was considering if I should ask um, Anat if maybe everyone should learn chapter 16 and 17 of Sefer Malachim before, before the class. But I decided that we shouldn't do that because I want it to be like in your distant memory. Maybe I think it'll be even more exciting if, if we learn the story and then you can go back afterwards in, into your Tanakh and uh, see what it is that our sages were able to see in these verses. So before we begin the class, I want to say it should be a zuchut for Bilah, Bat, Devorah, Avraham. She should have a refuah, Shalema, Betoch, Shar, Cholei, Yisrael. The two personalities, Eliyahu, Hanavi, and Achav, are two of the most important individuals in our story in both directions. Eliyahu Hanavi is what do I more do I need to say? He's Eliyahu Hanavi. Achav also not a nobody. Achav is the second worst Jew of all time. Rabbis keep a list of these things. He's the second worst. And the thing is, the, the, the rabbi said that really he's the worst, meaning that he did worse things than number one, who was Yeravam, Yeravam ben Nevat. Really, Achav did worse things, but Yeravam is considered worse because Yeravam started it. But, but really, Achav may be the worst Jew of all time, or maybe not. And that's part of what this story between Eliyahu and Achav is meant to teach us. So, what I'd like to do is, if you want to follow along in Malachim, you could, but I think even outside, I'm going to um, just, we're going to read this story. But before we begin, I want to raise a question, a question that has probably occurred to everyone here, but I've never actually seen anyone ask this question out loud. Pesach night, you open the door, why you open the door? For Eliyahu, right? Why? What do we need Eliyahu for? So everyone tells us, because Eliyahu, he is the Mavaser. HaRachamanu Yishlach Lanu et Eliyahu HaNavi Zachulatov V'Yivaser Lanu Besorot Tovot Yeshuot V'Nachamot Right? Eliyahu is going to come and say, what's he going to say? Mashiach is coming. So who needs Eliyahu? Just bring Mashiach. Whatever Yeshua is going to come, bring the Yeshua. Why do we need someone with a with a with a a, a, a microphone announcing, um, you know, introducing for the very first time Mashiach? Well, what do we need that for? Why are we waiting for Eliyahu? And why don't we go straight to Mashiach? This is a question. I think it's a good question, right? Everyone should have asked this question. What What are we wanting from Eliyahu? So hopefully. In the course of today's class, we will see an answer to this question. So, I'm going to bring you back to Malachim chapter 16. There was a king called Amri. Amri. 
Amri dies at the end of chapter 16, Malachim 1, of course. And Vayishkav Amri im Avotav, Vayikaver b'Shomron, Vayimloch Achav b'No Tachtav. And Achav becomes king. Vayachav ben Amri, Malach al Yisrael, the Pasuk tells us, Vayaz Achav ben Amri, Hara b'Ene Hashem, Mikola Shelofanav. Achav was horrible, he was the worst. Vayi Hanakel, Lachto b'Chatet Yeravam ben Nevat, it was. It was like nothing, meaning that like the worst things that Yeravam did, Achav did much worse. Not only that, but Vayikach Isha at Izavel, but at Baal Melech Tzidonim, and he married Izavel, the princess from Tzidon, Vayelech Vayavod at Habal, and he worshipped these foreign gods. The pasuk continues that Vayas Achav et Hashirah, Vayosef Achav Lasot Lachit Lachis Es Hashem et Hashem Elokei Yisrael. Achav was really bad. In case you missed it, he was worse. You think he was that bad? No, no, no. Whatever you think, he was worse. And then the Navi does something fascinating. You'll check it out yourself. The last verse in chapter 16 says, by the way, Yamav, in the days of Achav, Bana Chiel Beit Ha'eli at Yericho. There was a man called Chiel of Bethel, according to some, that's what uh, it, that means. He rebuilt the city of Yericho. Now, why is this important? You should know that there was a curse on the city of Yericho. A curse laid down by Yehoshua ben Nun. That whoever rebuilds the city of Yericho will um, establish the foundations on the life of his eldest child. And the doors of Yericho will go up by the life of that person's youngest child. And this Chiel, Banahi rebuilt Yericho, Ba'aviram Bechoro Yizda, with his oldest son Aviram, he established the city. Meaning he started building and his eldest son died. And you know what he did? He continued to build. And child after child after child died. And by the time he put up the doors of Yericho, his youngest child died. Which was exactly what Yeshua said would happen. Now, Malachim, chapter 17, then turns back to the story and goes, So Eliyahu comes to Achav and says to Achav, you guys are being really bad. No rain. There will be no rain coming. And Hashem says to Eliyahu, listen, it's going to work, meaning the rain is not going to come, but they're going to try to kill you. I want you to run away. And Eliyahu runs away, and he goes and hides in the middle of nowhere. And the ravens, the Orvim, they bring him food. They bring him lechem ubasar baboker, velechem ubasar baerev, umin hanachal yishteh. Eliyahu goes into hiding. Now before we go on to the story, why is Eliyahu coming, coming to Achav and telling him there's going to be no rain? Because Achav is an Oved Avodah Zarah. He's an idol worshiper. He's a horrible person. Everyone knows all the other things. We didn't even get into the story of Navot HaYisraeli and all the other stuff that Achav did. So Achav 
is an evil person, and Eliyahu is coming to tell him that because of your evil, there will be no rain. Why did the Navi insert in the middle of the story this information about Chiel, mi Beit Ha'eli, rebuilding Yericho? What does it have to do with the story? We're telling you about, about Achav. Achav is horrible, he's horrible, he's horrible. And then, then the next part of the story is Eliyahu comes to say to Achav, because you are not listening to God, there's going to be punishment of Noah. In the middle, we insert this little piece of information. By the way, in the days of Achav, there was a man called Chiel Mibeta Eli, who ignored the curses of Yehoshua and rebuilt Yericho. He lost his oldest child to the youngest child in the process. What does it have to do? With, with, with the story of Eliyahu and Achav. So we're going to come back to that, but let's keep reading in the story. All of a sudden, Hashem comes to Eliyahu and says to Eliyahu, I want you to go to Tzarfata. Go to Tzarfat, Asher Litzidon, and there's a woman there. I've made arrangements that she should take care of you. And Eliyahu, he goes and stays by this Isha Almana with a young child, and they are sustained through a miracle, whatever the story was. And then, of course, a great tragedy occurs that the child dies. And, since it's Eliyahu, he simply brings him back to life. But then, when he brings the child back to life, um, Hashem says to Eliyahu, Lech achav. It's been three years, Hashem says to Eliyahu, Kvar speak. Enough. And I want you to go to Achav and tell him, I'm going to bring the rain. Meaning, Hashem says to Eliyahu, Hashem says to Eliyahu, Hashem says to Eliyahu, listen, I can't take it anymore. My children are starving, my children, they don't have rain, they don't have food, I'm bringing them rain. But I don't want you to look bad, Eliyahu, because you said there wasn't going to be rain. So I want you to go back and tell them there's going to be rain, so that I can send rain without you losing faith. That's what the Talmud tells us. So Eliyahu goes to appear to Achav. Meanwhile, Achav and Ovadia, which, by the way, I want you to think about this. Achav has working for him, Ovadia, who is a Navi. He is the, he's one of the 48 Nevi'im. He was not born a Jew, which makes him an exception to all the other um, Nevi'im. He was not born a Jew. He was an Edomite from the family of Esav. He converted and he becomes a Navi. And he's working in the palace of Achav. Not only that, but we know, Ovadia, he hid the Nevi'im in caves when Izebel was trying to kill them, which makes for a very interesting... Does anyone think about this? Why does Achav have a Navi as his closest advisor? Ovadia? And then he's got Eliyahu, of course. Anyway, so... Achav and Ovadia are looking for some food for the animals. They're out there, and Eliyahu comes to Ovadia and says to him, Go tell Achav I'm here. And Ovadia says, No, 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 I'm not playing that game. I'm going to tell Achav you're here. A wind is going to come and carry you away, and Achav is going to think that I'm... Eliyahu says, No, 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 I'm here. I am here. I need to speak to Achav. I want you to go get Achav and bring him here. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Vayelech Ovadia, this is Melachim, Melachim Aleph, Perak Yudchet. 
וילך עובדיהו לקראת אחיו, עובדיה גוז תאחיו, ויגד לו, וילך אחיו לקראת אליהו, ויהי כראות אחיו את אליהו. When אחיו sees אליהו, ויאמר אחיו אליו, האתה זה עוכר ישראל. Before I translate this, I'm going to try something. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to ask you to just play along here. When you're picturing Ahav and Eliyahu meeting, what does that look like? So I think some of us have, have images in our heads, and we don't really have images in our heads of the individuals, not of Ahav and not of Eliyahu. But I want you to compare this meeting between Ahav and Eliyahu in your head to another very different meeting that happened less than a hundred years ago. And that is the Mifgash between David ben Gurion and Rabbi Avram Yeshai Karelitz HaChazon Ish. You've all heard the stories of the meeting between um, the ben Gurion and the Chazon Ish and you all know that that was the moment when a line in the sand was drawn between the approach of the Haredim and the approach of those who are not Haredim. The, um, the line was drawn right there when Ben-Gurion met with, and each side has their version of the story of the conversation that takes place. I'm not, um, we're not discussing that incident, but I do want you to try to imagine this um, meeting because the roles of Ahav and Eliyahu, Ahav being the, um, basically the military and the, you know, he's the king, right? But he's not an adherent, of, he's an Oved Avodah Zarah, meeting with Eliyahu, who is basically the spiritual leader. Nobody elected him, just like nobody elected the Chazonish, he was just a, a, a person who was a tzaddik, and he was a Talmud Chacham, he was a Kadosh v'tahor, but he just sat in his little home in Bnei Barak and studied Torah. And when these two meet, the meeting is a very, very powerful moment, and some would say it didn't turn into what it could have turned into. So I'm going to... Um, ask you, it's, I know it's a strange exercise to do, but to kind of interweave these two events, the meeting between the Chazon Ish and Ben Gurion, at the same time comparing it to the meeting between Ahav and Eliyahu, and you'll see the striking, striking comparisons, even though obviously the individuals are, you know, the, there is, no, no, one, no one in the 20th century is, is, is Eliyahu Anavi. Okay, so, when Ahav sees Eliyahu, Vayomer Ahav Elav, Ha'ataze, Ocher Yisrael, is it really you? You destroyer of Israel? That's what Ahav says to Eliyahu. Vayomer, and Eliyahu says, Ani, Ocher Yisrael, Loachati et Yisrael, I did not destroy the Jewish people, Kimata, you Ahav. And your father's household. You. Because you left the path of Torah. You're the ones who destroyed the Jewish people. 
You know what we'll do? Here's what we'll do. We'll have a showdown. We'll go to Hara Carmel. You'll bring your Nevi'e Abal. And I will... Um, and, w- and we'll see who can bring down fire from heaven. You can imagine... You can imagine... And I want you to picture this because you could so see this. In the case of... Uh, of uh, for example, in the case of um, Ben-Gurion and the Chazonish. When, when the Chazonish lays down and says to the... Lays down the law to Ben-Gurion. And says, listen, we are... We are, um, we are holding the Torah, and so you have to kind of give us uh, the room to go. Um, it, it, it almost seems like that same kind of approach of, you know, we're, we're the ones. But in this case, Eliyahu is able to say, listen, I'll prove it to you. We're going to have a showdown. Whoever brings down fire from heaven, that's the, one, that's the one who's going to win. But what you can picture, and I want you to think about this, is what is Achav's response? What is Achav's response? The Navi does not tell us what, uh, what uh, Achav did, what he said. All it says is that he sent and called the Nevi'im. But you can imagine like Achav going, what, what is this with Eliyahu? Like, like, we're trying to do what we're trying to do, and here he is bringing in, you know, he's cheating by, by bringing down fire from heaven. That's the story in the Navi as it appears. But we're going to go back. We're, we're going to go back and start this story again. Why did the Navi, as we mentioned before, insert this event about Chiel of Beta Eli who rebuilt Yericho? Why does he put it into the story? The, we have a tradition. We have a Mesorah. and I feel bad for those who study Navi, and they don't have these traditions because you're missing so much of the story. It's like it's like um, um, you're missing, missing half the story. And that's why you see it's a little bit sad when you see like the Bible critics, they spend you know, their, a lifetime trying to figure out which Sidon is Izebel from. And like, they miss the whole story. So let me tell you what our tradition tells us is what happened. Our tradition tells us that in the days of Achav, Chiel mi Beta Eli decided that he was going to rebuild the city of Yericho. Let me ask you a question. Why? There's a curse, klala, of Yehoshua bin Nun that says that if you rebuild the city of Yericho, you will lose your children. What would take anyone, what, would, what, what reason would anyone have, even if you don't believe in, in this stuff, why? Like, why risk it? Okay, and even if you say, no, no, I am so stubborn that I am so much in denial of the concept of curses that I'm going to re... When he loses his first son, and when he was meyased the city, when he loses his second son, and his third and his fourth, there's different opinions as to how many sons he had. So you would think the Talmud tells us that Chiel Mibeta Eli was sitting Shiva for his sons. And Achav and Eliyahu showed up at the Shiva house at the same time. Kachkatuv Batalmud. If anyone wants to look this up, this is um, Sanhedrin 113. It says there, Achav Shushvine Hava. Achav was a friend of Chiel Mebeta Eli. Ata ihu ve'eliyahu l'mishal b'shlamia b'etamia. 
Bishalma Betamya, Achav and Eliyahu showed up at the Shiva house at the same time. Said Achav to Eliyahu. This is this is this is in the this is in the Talmud. Says Achav to Eliyahu. Hashtalavatata the Moshe Lokamakaima. Moshe's curses have never come true. It says in the Torah, Vesartem Vavadatem Elohim Acherim Vishtahavitem Lahem. Vikhara af Hashem Imbachem Bachem Vatsar et Hashemaim. It says in the Torah, if we will do Avoda Zara, then God will hold back the rain. I have built an idol or a temple on every hill, on every mountain in Eretz Yisrael. This is what Achav is saying to Elio. And the rain still comes. And the curses of Yeshua come true? At the Shiva house, Achav says to Eliyahu, Eliyahu, Yeshua's curses come true? Moshe's curses don't come true. It says in the Torah, if you will worship idols, there won't come any rain. I put up an idol on every mountain in Israel. Look how much rain we have. Achav challenging Eliyahu like this. And that's why Eliyahu says, now, now you understand the Psukim. Achav did terrible things. Chiel mi beta Eli. And rebuilt Yericho. And then, Vayomer Eliyahu hatishvi mi teshavei gilad el Achav. Chai Hashem elokei Yisrael. Im yihya hashanim ha'ele talumatar. The reason why Eliyahu said there will be no rain is because, this is our tradition, it's because at the Shiva house of the children of Chiel mi Beta Eli, he, Eliyahu is challenged by Achav saying, Yeshua's curses come true, how come Moshe's curses don't come true? So the question is, what is the debate? Right? What are they arguing about? Why is Achav challenging Eliyahu in this way? What is the discussion? So, our sages understood, this is amazing, this, this whole story takes on, a whole new, takes on a whole new meaning. But, th- we're talking here at a time when there are Jews who have Nevi'im, Eliyahu Navi. you've got Jews who are following after the Navi, and they are keeping the Torah, and they are keeping the mitzvot, and then you've got Jews who are doing Avodah Zarah. You've got Jews who are worshipping idols. And everyone knows the famous expression when Eliyahu gathers everyone at Har Carmel, He says, Pick your side. The Jewish people need to choose. Either you're all Chilonim or you're all Datiim. Pick your choice, says Eliyahu. And he says, I'll fix it for you. I will show you that I bring down fire from heaven. And what happened at the end of that story? At the end of that story, we're told, it says clearly in, in, the, in the Navi, that the, the Jewish people called out, Vayar kalam, vayiplu vayomru, Hashem hu ha'elokim, Hashem hu ha'elokim. It, it's, a, it, it's an interesting story from so many angles. But we're only going to pick one. Which is, what is the answer to the question? When Eliyahu, when Achav says to Eliyahu, how come Yeshua's curses don't come, um, come true and Moshe's don't, how, how is that question being answered? 
But most significantly, and this is what we're going to focus on, is what is the debate between Ahav and Eliyahu when they meet? Ahav says to Eliyahu, Ho, oh, look, look what we have here. What does he call him? Yisrael. You, Eliyahu, you're destroyer. You're the destroyer of Israel. And Eliyahu says, Me? Lo Yisrael. Kim Atahu So, and a simple reading. Is this like a little childhood playground debate? No, you did it. No, you did it. No, you, no, you. What, what is their debate? What are they arguing over? It sounds like Achav is saying to Eliyahu, and I'll explain this. Life is good. Life is good, meaning we're doing Abadazara, we're not keeping the Torah. But you know what? God is still taking care of us. He's still giving us rain. The economy in Israel was doing well. The agriculture um, was, was, was uh, their, their system was the best in the world. Everything was great. Comes along Yehoshua and drops these curses. Ma pitom. You know, we're, uh, you know, God is making arrangements. Clearly there's a system. Like, so when I ask you about this, what do you, how do you, Eliyahu, respond? With kanaut. Right? With, with, with zealousness. I challenged you by saying, how come Yeshua's curses come true? My point wasn't that Moshe's curses should come true. My point was that Yeshua's shouldn't. So you, how do you, Eliyahu, respond? You cursed us. And you said, right, no more rain. You're the destroyer of the Jewish people. To which Eliyahu says, no, no, you don't understand. The destruction was going to come anyway, but it was going to come whenever it was going to come. But God is not letting it go. There's, Hashem is erech Hashem is law, patient. But if you're going to make a mockery of it, and you're going to challenge God in this way, then you are asking for it, and so these terrible things are going to happen to the Jewish people. And a famine came, three years of no rain. Do we understand what that means in agricultural society to go three years without rain? They couldn't find a blade of grass. So, this is an interesting debate. When bad things happen to the Jewish people, whose fault is it? Is it Ben-Gurion's fault, or is it the Chazanish's fault? That, that's the question here. Who's bearing this responsibility? The people, which is who the struggle is about, is between Eliyahu and Achav. Achav's got the people coming towards him because you know what Achav has? Success. The Talmud tells us that Achav would go to war and he would win. Always. It was like miracles. Every time he went to war, there was a miracle. Meanwhile, when we had a completely righteous. This is this is these. This, I'm not. <laughs> I'm telling you something that it says in the teachings of the sages of the Chachamim. The Chachmei HaTalmud said that Shaul, when he went to war, would have many casualties, while Achav would go to war with almost no casualties. Says the, say our sages because because Achav. They were, all the soldiers, all the people were b'shalom, while the army of Shaul, they were kulam lashon hara. They didn't get along with each other. Now, in the days of Shaul, they were b'nei Torah. That's what it says in the Talmud. Meaning that when we had a religious army with all religious people, we would lose, people would die. But when we had Achav, 
We would always win. Why? Because they got along with each other. Right? Isn't this strange? You can fast forward this a couple of thousand years and, and you see that the Lashon Hara that's happening amongst, um, you know, in the land of Israel is causing a lot more damage than, than the lack of adherence to the Torah, which is what was happening in those days by the people of Achav. So here we have um, this Chiel Mi Beta Eli who rebuilds. You know what he's saying? Uh, remember I asked before, like, what would possess someone to rebuild the city of Yericho? It's really simple. He was trying to show that the curses don't work. That if, if, if we don't believe in it and we don't buy into that and we don't follow it and instead we follow the ways of the Baal, that's what Chiel was trying to say, everything will be fine. And then he got cursed. And even in the curse, he was too stubborn. He was too stubborn to give up his argument. And so he kept building, kept building. I don't care. I don't care because I'm going to make my point that we can do whatever we want to do. And Eliyahu said, Zehu must speak no more. This, this Achav, our sages, this is another statement in the Talmud that's almost kind of surprising, but our sages tell us that he was a big, big Talmud Chacham. Achav knew the Torah, and it makes sense, he was a prince, right? Uh, you know, the Prince George is not receiving the same education as, as, uh, as um, my children or yours, right? He gets the king's education, or the future king's education. Achav was the son of, a, son of a king. He was the son of Amri. So he was raised with an education. Our sages tell us that he was giving shiurim, he was giving classes on the Torah. He knew the Torah, but he was an Ovid Abu Dazara. Our sages tell us Amar Rabbi Nachman, Achav Shakul Haya. Achav was actually 50-50. Says the Talmud, Matkivla Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Achav? Achav was the worst, second worst Jew of all time. What do you mean Shakul? Says the Ala Achav, Vatran B'mamono Haya. Achav was generous. Says the Talmud, then no, because Achav was generous and he supported Torah sages, even though his wife Izevel was murdering them, but he supported the Torah sages, him secretly, Ovadia, whoever was, uh, was making the arrangement, and because of that, he was forgiven half of his sins. And that's why our sages say, Shakul Haya. He was, he was kind of 50-50. Our sages have a, a, an interesting perspective and view of Achav. I, again, I, I want to bring it back to this point. Where Achav says to Eliyahu, we don't need someone who's going to be so religious, who, someone who's going to be so zealous, leading the Jewish people, because maybe, maybe you're better at the Torah, at teaching us Torah, but, but we're fine without you. That's Eliyahu's argument. So he calls him, Ocher Yisrael, you're the destroyer of the Jewish people. And Eliyahu says, you're not fine. You're not fine without me. You just think you are. Because God is being patient with you. Because God likes you. 
Because God likes all the Jewish people. And so He is letting you win your wars. He's letting you have financial success. He's letting you have this. But don't become arrogant like that. Because at the moment that you tr- start believing that your way is actually the preferred way, then everything changes. And that's why um, Elio brings no, um, says, from now on there will be no more rain. I, I want to share with you, um, again, I, I, please feel free to, to um, say this in a way differently than the way I'm saying. But essentially what we have here is that Eliyahu is saying to Ahav, the most important thing is that the Jewish people follow the Torah and everything else comes secondary. And Ahav says the most important thing is that the Jewish people have a nation and we get along with each other and we take care of each other. And then listen, if we keep the Torah, we keep the Torah. And that's the difference between the curses of Yeshua and the curses of Moshe. It's because Yeshua, you know, he laid, but the curses of Moshe are really back to the Torah. Those are in the, are in the hands of God. And Ahab says, listen, you rabbis, you're laying down curses on us. God doesn't lay down those curses. And Eliyahu says, well, he does. I, w- I want to point out an irony. Um, it, it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's ironic, but I, I just, I have to say this. And you see many products in Israel, it says that these are Nakime Chashash Chilul Shabbat. Have you seen that? There are a lot of products in Israel that say on them that this, there was no Chilul Shabbat involved in, in those products. Listen to this explanation. Listen to this explanation. This is, this is inc- Why did Yeshua curse whoever rebuilds the city of Yericho? We destroyed many towns. And there were other cherims, things we shouldn't touch. For some reason, Yeshua puts down a curse that no one should rebuild the city of Yericho. Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger, who is a rabbi who lived um, 150 years ago, he says this before, he said this before the creation of the modern state of Israel. He said, why? He says, what day of the week did Yericho come down? Everyone knows. Shabbat. It says in the Torah, Yericho came down on Shabbat. Do you know there are 39 malachot on Shabbat? There is a malacha, hazorea, hakotzer, ma'amer, ha'ofe. One of the malachot is called haboneh. And another one of the malachot, that's building, another one of the malachot is hasoter almanat livnot. Destroying for the sake of building. So he says, this is what the Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger says, that since this, we know that to, to build is a malacha on Shabbat, to, to be soter, to destroy, is it a malacha on Shabbat or not? Well, it depends. If it's almanat livnot, if you're going to rebuild, then the stira, the destruction, becomes a preparation for the building. Then the stira, the destruction is considered a malacha. But if you're not going to build on top of it, then it's not a malacha. So it says if Yaakov Etlinger, Yeshua, knew that we, um, we, we walked around and the walls came down on Shabbat. Is that a malacha or is not a malacha? So if we never rebuild it, then it's just stira without, without any binyan, and then we did not do Chilul Shabbat. But if 
we rebuild on top of it, then the breaking of Yericho becomes Tira Amenat Livno. This is not my explanation. This is Yaakov Etlinger. So he says, the curse of Yehoshua was to make sure that we don't have a city that's built Al Yidei Chilul Shabbat. So I just find it beautiful how iron, ironic this is that the debate that's happening between Eliyahu and Achav turns out to be mamash mamash the same machloket between the Chazonish and, and Ben-Gurion whether or not we can have a Jewish country that's built on Chilul Shabbat whether you can have such a city. Mamash atodavar according to Rabbi Yaakov Etlinger and his interpretation. Well, the problem is that when Ben-Gurion made Chazonish, they were only 500 Haredim in Israel because most of them were killed in the Holocaust. Even a religious rabbi was running through the villages and saying, leave, 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 and nobody listened to him. They say they were building a pivot and most of the religious were killed in the Holocaust. Now my rabbi, my grandfather was a rabbi and in fact they offered him to be the chief rabbi in Haifa and he said I will not use the Torah kekardom lachporba. Ushamar Shabbat, he did all the chukim but he started a business of paper, um, paper bags and then he moved to real estate. He didn't expect the secular people to support him. Right. And when you saw today in Harmeron that the Haredim didn't, didn't listen to the engineer recommendation that recommended to have one firebomb. Well, I, I, I want to avoid the, the technicalities of Miran because so that's the ocean of black hats. And look at the tragedy that happened. They didn't, it's not just COVID. Every person needs Dalet Amot between him. And there was such crowdiness. And look at the terrible thing that happened. Right. So in the case of Miron, I think we don't know yet the exact circumstances of what happened. Obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy. And as, I, as I've said before, the, the, it's not a tragedy that we can wrap our minds around. It's so, it's, so, it's too much. It's just, it's just too much. Technically, how it happened, I think we're going to wait to hear. I, I, I'm always we, we we people tell stories. We have to wait for the technical, um, you know, for for a process in order to go through it. And and something needs to be figured out, and that can never happen again. That's true. But but back to where you were going before, which was this debate between the Haredim and and and, and the, those who are. And I, I don't want to go to Chilonim because there's so many spaces between people who refer to themselves as Haredim and Chilonim, wherever that line is, wherever they draw the line between those who are on this side of the Seif and, and those who are on this Seif, right, Potchim al Shtei Seifim, this, that's, um, the, however we draw that line, Eliyahu is saying to Achav, uh, well, let's start the other way. Achav is saying to Eliyahu, which would be the non-religious saying to the religious, you are destroying us. You're destroying us with your religious zealousness. That's mamash. Eliyahu is the... Right? It's, it's not clear to us exactly who Eliyahu is. Right? He's, he's a person who goes up... To, he's a ish, he's a human being who goes up to heaven. He becomes a malach. He appears at every bris. 
and and as the as the malachabris uh, as the malachabris and and then he, at the same time he's a person he appears in every generation we have stories uh, there is no mention of a father or a mother anywhere in Tanakh for Eliyahu. He may be from Shevet God, maybe he's from Binyamin, maybe he's Pinchas, Pinchas is, is Eliyahu, maybe he's from the tribe of, of, of Yosef. It's really not clear who he is. And if you look in like the secret books, they almost seem to suggest that Eliyahu was not a human being who turned into an angel, but an angel who turned into a human being. We would need, we would need a lifetime to discuss. It would need its own series, just on Eliyahu Anavi. But back into our story, here he is, Eliyahu, he's standing there representing the religious Jews and saying, no, it's not true. You, Ahab, you're destroying the Jewish people. Do you know what our sages tell us? Why, did, why was Ahab, um, when, when, when Eliyahu flees, who supports Eliyahu? Who feeds Eliyahu? Ha'orvim, the ravens. Say our sages, why is it the ravens? It's the ravens because orvim are considered cruel. Achzariim. And Hashem is saying to Eliyahu, you are being achzari. There is no ravens going to Achav, saying to Achav, you are achzari. And, and uh, it, this is written in, in, in the books of the rabbis. It says that the rabbis say, no, Eliyahu was told by Hashem, no, you can't, you, you can't be this cruel. So now what we have is this very big debate. This is not just a, you're the Ocher Yisrael. No, you're the Ocher Yisrael. They're arguing over here over what's the proper policy on how to run a country filled with Jews where some of the Jews are very religious and some of the Jews are anti-religious. How, how do we come together? And that's the question. That's the primary question that Ben-Gurion brought to the Chazonish. And the Chazonish drew a line in the sand and says, well, we can get along. If you understand that Torah is the primary um, power of the Jewish people. And Ben-Gurion said to him, the army is the primary protection of the Jewish people. So, you want to go first because you have the B'nai Torah. We should go first because we have the, um, the, the soldiers, the B'nai Tzava. That, that's their debate. So, I want you to think about this for a second. What does the Chazanish then do? Chazanish says, no. We, we have a line. We're at odds. We can't, we can't agree. You s- and since then, there really hasn't been a coming together on that kind. And we, we're so focused on the, on the politics, and it's a shame, because this isn't a political fight. This, is, this, is, sh- this should be a spiritual discussion. This should be something that we should figure out amongst ourselves without the pettiness. But unfortunately, all the pettiness comes into the story. But I'm trying to say, this isn't a new story. It's the same debate that we've been having for thousands of years. And why aren't we referring back to that story? Here's the thing. Eliyahu Hanavi Zachul Tov came along at that moment in time and said, Rabotai, Morai Rabotai. 
my teachers, my friends, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you that Hashem Hu Elohim. I'm going to take just one minute and give you a viewpoint that I don't think people really share. But everyone should see it like this. When someone who is religious says, Harachaman hu yishlach lanu et Eliyahu anavi zachul latov, vivaselanu besorot tovot yishuot venachamot. Hashem, please, send Eliyahu hanavi. You know what he's asking for? We're asking for Eliyahu hanavi. We're waiting for this uh, person to appear who is half angel, half human. What's he going to do? You know what he's going to do? He's going to bring all of us to Hara Carmel. Not literally. Not literally. Right? That already happened. But metaphorically speaking, he's going to bring all the Jewish people to Hara Carmel and he's going to say to the Nevi'eh Habal, whatever the equivalent is today, he's going to say to the Nevi'eh Habal, bring down fire from heaven. And the Nevi'eh Abal will call out, and no fire will come, and then Eliyahu. And you know what's going to happen? I don't know. I can't tell the future. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm just telling you what's being taught. Is that what's going to happen is, Eliyahu is going to show all the Jewish people that the Torah is the primary um, and energy behind the Jewish people. And the Jewish people will all say, Hashem Hu HaElokim. What does it say in Malachi? Meaning he will bring all the Jewish people together. doesn't even say in religious observance. He's going to bring the Jewish people together. And then we'll be ready for Mashiach. Meaning that we don't want to open the door and Mashiach will come. Because if we open the door on Pesach night and Mashiach comes then half the Jews will follow him and half won't. So what we need is someone like Eliyahu to come. He's going to bring peace to the Jewish people and then we will um, be able to um, live the way that uh, we're supposed to live and then Mashiach can come. That's the reason. So what the Chazonish on some level I'm going to go in the other direction too. Hopefully I have time. But I want you to picture what the Chazanish is trying to say. The Chazanish is trying to say to Ben-Gurion, and this would be the same thing that Reb Chaim Kanievsky today would be saying to, um, 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 let's go with Netanyahu for now, um, uh, he, he would be saying the same thing. You think that it's the Kippah Barzel that protected you. You think that it's the Iron Dome that protected you. You should know, Eliyahu Anavi is going to show us, that the Iron Dome was going to collapse. But as the Iron Dome was going to come down, 300 pages of the Talmud flew up from Bnei Barak and filled the hole. I, I, I'm not, <laughs> I, I think some of you are going to... This is what they think. This is what they believe. That's what they understand. So when you're, having, when you're engaging in a conversation with someone and you're saying to someone you're sitting there and studying Torah all day, you have to know what they believe. They believe that they are holding up the world. That, that Kippah Barzel, yeah, I don't know if I could say this, but Barzel maybe is uh, Rosh Tevot, ba, Bet Resh Zion Lamed, Bavli, Yerushalmi, uh, um, I don't know, Zealots, and... and uh, um, 
you come, but the real Rosh Tevot of Barzel. You know what Barzel is really, Gamachi, you were talking about the missing Barzel? Barzel is Rosh Tevot Bila Rachel Zilpa and Leah the four wives of Yaakov Barzel Bila Rachel Zilpa and Leah and, and it should be a zuchut for Bila um, you know, about Devorah and Avraham but um, the the four mothers are Rosh Tevot Barzel because the Kippah Barzel is really the koach of the unity of the Jewish people. And that on some level, Achav is saying to Eliyahu, you know what, you are, you're very, you're very religious, and we get it. But, but that's not the way that the, the, this country needs to function, because what was more important is that we have the shalom, we have the peace, we have the unity, we get along with each other, and we're not fighting. That's what's been providing us protection. We have won every war, we have won every battle, we are superior. According to one opinion in the Talmud, Achav was king of the world. And he merited to be king of the world because there was Shalom. I do want to point to one more thing. Our sages tell us that um, why did Achav merit to be king for 22 years? 22 years is a long time for someone who is so evil to be king. Says the Talmud, Because Achav had respect for the Sefer Torah. When the, when the foreign king came to him and said, I want a Sefer Torah, Achav is like, no, that's holy to us. And the king was like upset. What do you mean? I'm asking for it. He said, no, no, no. This is our Torah. It's very holy to us. Which shows you that Achav had the respect for the religious and, and for the Torah itself. But this is their debate. Again, bringing it back down to who is the Ocher Yisrael? Now, um, again, I, I, if anyone has any um, thoughts to introduce before I make the final points, please feel free to do so. Uh, let's, let's not go to modern ideas of who protects Israel. Is it the Hafbet Totiot or, or Leah and Zippa or um, Iron Dome? Because you cannot win with us. <laughs> Well, I'm not debating anyone, right? I'm pointing out, and I think that's what's very important, is to see that the same debate that's happening, and that, that's what I'm pointing out, between Achav and Eliyahu, where Achav says, no, you're the Oker Yisrael, because it's the, it's the Torah and God who protects you. And Achav who says, no, it's us and our ability to work our, itself out. I'm just pointing out that it's the same debate, and so you have to picture the people who are living in B'nai Barak as thinking in that same way. Whether you agree with them or not, doesn't, that's not really our point, right? Our point is that it's the same debate moving through the generations. That's, that's what I think is, is the most striking about this. Right? Uh, so, going back to the beginning, the question was the klalot, the klalot in the Torah. And that's the debate. The debate comes down to, why do bad things actually end up happening to us? What, what, what do we do to deserve these punishments? And according to Eliyahu, 
it's really about everyone needs to assess their observance of Torah and mitzvot, and that's the way. I don't. I wasn't going to say this, but Rabbeinu Moshe Chaim Lutzato, you all have heard of him, the great Ramchal, writes that Achav, the evil Achav, was supposed to be. This is the Ramchal was supposed to be the Mashiach ben Yosef of his generation. He was an, a great individual. And if Eliyahu and Achav would somehow have worked together, that this would have been the great redemption. It's really, I, I don't understand it well enough to be able to say it over in a way where I feel comfortable. But that idea is out there. And, and somehow, the solution has to be, it's got to be, somehow to meet, to come together. And the, the space is so far because it's mamash, how do we bridge the gap? And when Ben-Gurion comes in, to the Chazonish and says, how do we bridge the gap? There's no answers that come out from there. And what I'm suggesting is that there were no answers that came out from there because it was Ben-Gurion and the Chazonish and not Achav and Eliyahu. Yes. Isn't the story that is remembered depends who writes the history? Right. You, you, you would think that way, but it's so interesting that our rabbis didn't give Eliyahu the better side. Again, if you look at the story and you look at the teachings of our sages, our sages seem to be siding with Achav on some level. In fact, I will tell you that one of the rabbis referred to Eliyahu as a Kanai because of this story, and Eliyahu didn't come to visit him. And later, when he met Eliyahu, he's like, Eliyahu, why don't you come see me anymore? He says, you called me a Kanai. And the rabbi says to Eliyahu, well, look, you didn't show up for a few days. That shows you're a Kanai. You only proved my point. The, the rabbis... I, I, like I said before, they said that the Orvim come to feed Eliyahu, the Orvim, because God says to him, go, I'll have the ravens feed you. You know why? Because the ravens are cruel, and you're cruel. Eliyahu is cruel? God is saying to Eliyahu, you are cruel? And that's, what, that's what's in the writings of our sages. So I'm suggesting that, that our sages somehow felt that Eliyahu is wrong about this. The, the kanaut is not always appropriate. That's what our sages are saying to us. So I, 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 I don't want to go too far in this direction because in the end, we believe that Eliyahu was right and the fire came down from heaven, the Eshiyar and Hashemayim, but it's really not so simple that our rabbis just swept Achav off and said he's a horrible person, he's an evildoer, why are we even listening to him? That's not the attitude or the approach that our sages take. Because there is a real debate going on here between Achav and Eliyahu as to who is really bringing down the Jewish people. And, and if you can look at any generation, you can point to one individual and say that's the destroyer of the Jewish people, and then you can turn the other way and say that's the destroyer of the Jewish people. I, I want to make another point. The Navi, the Navi itself didn't have to write the words of Achav that says you are an Ocher Yisrael about Eliyahu. If it appears in our Kitve Kodesh, if it appears in our holy writings, that means that this is something that we have to look at and consider. And I'm not here, Chas v'shalom, just reading the Psukim, 
but there's a, a interesting debate that's happening here. The story of Eliyahu at Harakarmel is it's amazing. Harakarmel is still there. Harakarmel is still there, right? It's by Haifa. I, I, there people live there. We can go visit the place where just a few thousand years ago, Eliyahu stood there with Achav, and they had a showdown to try to talk to the Jewish people about what they should be doing. And you should know, even the people who said, Hashem Elokim, Hashem Elokim, how long do you think that lasted? Keep reading in the Navi. But this was Eliyahu stepped in, and he felt like things had gone too far. And so this, this is what he was bringing into the world. And if anyone doesn't like either of these two sides of the argument, and there will be both, there will be those who will say, how dare you suggest that, that um, the people in the army, because they get along, that that's somehow better than those who are studying Torah. And then there will be others who will say, how dare you say that the studying of the Torah is, is going to protect us when, when you don't go to the army. These are, people are passionate about this. You want to start a fight? You bring up this subject. And I'm bringing up this subject because I want to fight. What I'm saying is that this is something that we feel strongly about, but it's something we're supposed to feel strongly about. It's something that we have been discussing and debating and arguing for thousands of years, and we can handle. Not so much what the other side says yet, but at least let's note that there is another side, and I mean that to everyone. The Haredim need to understand that there are people who are putting their life on the line in order to protect them, and they feel like those people should contribute. And then there are others who say, on the other side, who say that they feel like they are protecting the country, and others should contribute. Pick, you, you have your side, pick whichever side you want. But this begins with an inversion of the story an opposite, backwards of the story, which is the story of Eliyahu and Achav is not who is protecting the Jewish people, but which one of the two is the destroyer of the Jewish people. And I think that when the conversation changes and is no longer about the damage that each side is accusing the other one of doing, if it no longer becomes a debate over who is Oker Yisrael, who is the Oker Yisrael, but who is the Shomer Yisrael, that's when the conversation changes and we have room for, again, for Bila, Rachel, Zilpa, and Leah, for all of the Jewish people to come together. And for me, that's where I think the beginning of the solution lies. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.